0: Right now, reportedly he's already put in 70 million so far. So basically your plan, if I understand you correctly, your plan is to spend 70 million on something and then cancel it just when it just when the brand is potentially about to cross over. Genius. Welcome to episode 10 of The Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline with a hastily thrown together format. This week copied from Dave's live journal. I'm Carlos Alconsar and with me as always is Dave Turnbull.
1: I didn't even know I had a live journal.
0: Oh, everyone had a live journal back then. God bless you if you have one now. But um no one's reading it. No, True story. So uh, a couple of things we're going to talk about on the program. We had an original idea, but then certain things superseded it. We will talk about news and notes as usual. Baseball has apparently left the 20th century. We'll explain what that means in a minute. NCAA bracket pool rules. Dave apparently has some issues with the NCAA pool, as do many other people. I think there's only one perfect bracket left in all of ESPN world with millions of brackets put in. Conor McGregor, quote unquote, retired and general uh, our general thoughts on opening day in Major League Baseball. And then in the main topic combined with our week seven, week eight thoughts. But first, before that, apparently Tom Dundon is not content to sit there and shut up for a minute, even if it's to the potential detriment of the Alliance of American Football. We'll get into that in the main topic. But first, let's talk a little bit about news and notes. First of all, I'll explain the baseball leaving the 20th century thing. This is basically what it comes, it comes to. We're at the point where we've run out of all the, all the players that actually played basically by the end of 1999. So the story in which I'll include the link in the description as usual is that there are no current players in any of the major league rosters that played in the 20th century. Bartolo Colon would technically count as potentially the last of those still around because Adrian Beltre retired and a bunch of other players who played in the 90s also retired. But if Bartolo Colon can come back onto a roster somehow, which we all secretly root for forever, but if he's able to, then obviously this is moot and you know we'll extend this forward. But if for whatever reason he's not able to make a major league roster, this will be the first year in this century that nobody from the 90s is playing anywhere in the major leagues, which is the truly the end of an era. And also along the same lines, we also have our first major leaguer playing on the actual main roster that was born in the 2000s, a.k.a. we're all old.
1: Yeah, like that. That's that's the thing when I when I'm looking at this story, or I'm hearing about it, or I'm reading about it. That's literally the only thing that comes to mind is, man, I feel old. However, I really do, as you said. It's not, I don't think it's so secret. I think people people want big, sexy this year. I think as really they do every year. It.
0: We need to extend. We need to extend this streak for one more year. Like it's gonna happen. There is gonna come a time where uh, where he's not gonna go out there. But I think I think there's a roster spot somewhere out there in the major leagues. You know, for good old big sexy to go out there. It, there's a chance Bartolo is, should make a roster somewhere. There is there are teams bad enough. The White Sox. There are teams bad enough out there that probably could use a little bit of pitching. At least yeah. spot pitching. You know, a long reliever or something. There's got to be something. And, some and, and
1: I always secretly root for him to be in the National League because I saw him with the Braves. Last year. I think it was last year. And I watched him bat. And it was glorious.
0: Majestic, I believe is the word you're looking for.
1: Yes, it was majestic in a Oh, my God, I can't believe like some people should just never do things in their life. Majestic kind of way.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. So that's something to look forward to. We still think there might be an outside shot of that this season. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that, that little piece plays out. But so that's that's that piece of it. We'll talk about our general thoughts on opening day in the Major League Baseball. But before we get to that, let's uh, okay. Explain to me this NCAA bracket issue you have.
1: All right, we're we talking about. So so here's here's my issue with this. So for the and still actually this is this is still I believe correct that I. Okay, so let's let's back it up, actually. So I'm in an NCAA pool with a bunch of people that my brother got me into for no money, which I kind of secretly just think... Hashtag pointless. Exactly. I To appease my brother, I said I would join in for bragging rights. Me not knowing a ton of uh, knowledge about NCAA double basketball, well, I pretty much don't know anything about the NCAA.
0: Also known, I was like 99.99999% of people who filled out a bracket.
1: Fair enough. But I enjoy March Madness and I do enjoy watching the games. So I fill out my bracket and lo and behold, coming into the Sweet Sixteen, I am in first place. But I'm also but I also have the well, I have the most correct number of picks. Okay. Okay. So now the NC the Sweet Sixteen has started and it did not go so well for me, but I still overall have the most correct number of picks. Mm -hmm. But I'm not in first place.
0: Okay. Is it staggered where you get more points as you go along?
1: Yeah, or, right? Or if you pick like so we were arguing about this at work and someone was and was saying, "Well, if you pick a 16 to beat a 1, then then and they do, then you should get more points for that." And I was like, "That is nonsense. You either get the answer, you get it right or you don't. That's all it should be based on. That's it, right? You make if you make the most right picks, why shouldn't you win the bracket?"
0: I get the idea, but it's I, I guess it kind of goes back I guess it kind of goes back though to different fantasy sports, right? Like if you're talking about that's why you always have offshoots, you know, when you talk about uh, fantasy baseball or whatever, you used to have um, so you used to have like rotisserie where you'd add up all the stats and then you'd number it that way versus another league where you'd get, you know, a point per hit or something like that.
1: Right, and but that's that's a different variations. type of fantasy, right? Like there's categories and you know going I mean, you know going into it what you're expecting and you draft according to that. Right. Right? But if you're gonna say, oh well, if if you may, if a team makes it to the Sweet 16, then you're gonna get more points for that. If you get a correct pick there, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't see the point. It's either you get it right or you don't, and then move on from that. There doesn't need to be extra bonus points because you you know you pick the lower seed to win and they actually won.
0: I get the idea. I think. Um... I think it's trying to take into account that when you pick a lower seed, your your probability of winning is lower. So they're trying to reward you for taking the, taking a shot, because otherwise, in theory, you could probably just a bunch of people could. Because did you guys have to pick different teams, or could you just pick whatever bracket you want?
1: No, won? we all theoretically we could all could have had the same bracket. Yeah.
0: So then, what would prevent you know most reasonable people from just picking the highest seeds all the time?
1: Well, There would fair be no incentive. Not, but, it would be the same. But we know, having watched the tournament and in you know if you study your history you know that if you just pick the higher seat all the time, that's not going to work necessarily, right? Well, now you know. At some point, that bracket will get busted too.
0: Next time, well, now you know. Next time, Benny, uh, bragging rights or not, you don't listen to Benny T unless there's money on it and you agree to the rules beforehand. That's, well, a, that's anyway. how you got to
1: play it. That's right, Matt. Also, I was quite disappointed, and I feel this is one of the, the matchups that should be brought up. I was quite disappointed in Michigan. Did you see what happened there? I did not. So Michigan Wolverines are a two seed. I had them going to the final four and they lost to the Texas Tech yesterday night, 63 to 44. So not only did they lose, they got dominated in terms of NCAA domination, okay. which was, you know, which is quite surprising that they got not that they got dominated that much. I, I think that was quite a big upset, even though, I mean, yes, it was a three versus a two, which numbers wise, isn't crazy. But I think a lot of people had a lot of high hopes in Michigan, which, you know, if anything you do with NCAA, most people are going to have high hopes for somebody and most people are going to get crushed by that.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, as far as the NCAA is concerned, like right now that we're approaching the very end of it, I'm go- I'm, I'm trying to watch a little bit here and there, but it's there's, there's a lot going on in the sports calendar. I will give credit, though, where credit is due, that there is a lot of interest being drawn into it. I'd be curious to see, really, what I think is going to be is that as we approach those final games, you know is it going to which players is it really going to be a launching pad for because going into it you know a lot of it was just about duke 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 you know zion and uh, i think it's rj barrett is it rj barrett that's the one yeah yeah so a lot of it is just kind of like what does that do to the stock obviously zion has a lot of hype with him no matter what but obviously the better he does it doesn't hurt it really makes things more interesting for folks going into the nba and then leads to questions leading into you know his his early days as a professional once he once he basically walks off that court whenever that is for the last time up shortly. At least it keeps things interesting for folks. But I think uh, I think the lesson we're all learning from Dave's is that um, if you're going to agree to be in an NCAA pool, just agree to the rules. You know, just just go with it. Because otherwise, it will be an exercise in frustration. And you may as well be frustrated with real stakes.
1: I agree. Yeah,
0: I think that's the the real lesson. Mag-
1: why not magnify the frustration since you're going to be frustrated anyway?
0: But at least then it's justifiable anger. Then at that's least, true. Then you, then you, otherwise though, could you, it's, it's kind of sad being angry about something that literally has no bearing. Whether you win or lose, it doesn't matter.
1: And then if you were – and if you live in Ohio, then you can go to that new thing they have where they now have rage rooms where you can actually go and pay money to like smash TVs with sledgehammers and they give you safety gear and stuff.
0: Well, I don't think it's just in Ohio. I've heard of those being uh, – popping up in other places. But it's definitely a thing,
1: the good old rage room.
0: Back in the day with you, we could give you a rage room with just a bunch of cans. You can throw them.
1: Hey, you know, back in the day, that would have – I would have taken that.
0: But back in the day meaning uh, last Saturday. anyway okay so that covers that I think Uh, let's do this let's talk a little bit about Mr. Conor McGregor and his his incredible retirement
1: yeah so I mean most people that are listening to this if you follow MMA at all probably already know that he put out a tweet about his retirement which is the second time he's done this Uh, he's already retired once before but that didn't last very long and now he the question I think is is he actually going to be retired or is this a ploy and based on the tweet he mentions specifically in the tweet about proper pina coladas on me, fellas. Okay, That's you the know last what, part. For me. the
0: sake of, uh, you know, for the sake of, you know, properness, I can actually read you the tweet. I've got it here in front of me.
1: All right. Oh, I OK. Go ahead. All right.
0: Let's do this. Now imagine this in an Irish accent because I'm not even attempting that. All right. Hey, guys. Quick announcement. I've decided to retire from the sport formerly known as mixed martial art. Mixed martial arts. Today, I wish all my old colleagues well going forward in competition. I now join my former partners on this venture, already in retirement. That doesn't make sense grammatically, but sure. Proper pina coladas on me, fellas. Exclamation point.
1: So, one, I think we know that he's clearly not going to retire and become signed up, uh, some kind of uh, English writer, you know. That's, That's a not-
0: play. you know. There's, there's, uh, there's ghost writers for a reason.
1: But the proper – so a couple things from this that I take out of this. So one, proper is – he actually has a brand, his own brand of whiskey called Proper 12. Were you aware of this?
0: Yeah, that was familiar.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's Apparently what the he's proper taking that pina I'll give him credit. Reference.
0: Apparently, he's actually taking that seriously.
1: Yeah, well, and I'm saying that's, I mean, is this, is he really going to retire? Is this just a tweet where he wants to sell his whiskey with the proper part? Or, and anyone knows an actual pina colada should be made with rum. But the point is, he's also uh, currently under investigation. He has not been charged But he's under investigation for alleged sexual assault in December in Ireland, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because apparently, according to Irish law, you can't actually publish the names of people. Mm -hmm. So Somehow this has gotten leaked out. And apparently he the New York Times had called for comment. They're like, we're not going to give you comment. But it was like right after the New York Times called him that this tweet comes out. So is it also potentially a ploy to distract from other things that may be going on in his life?
0: It could be. I think um, I really think it has more to do with a combination of he did do the retirement thing once, but he came back basically for money. Now, the truth is, I'm sure it's 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 a lot like the Floyd Mayweather retirements. If there's enough money out of there. I'm sure they could drag him out of retirement for for like a, you know, like a mega fight or, you know, if Floyd Mayweather wants to have a, a rematch and they both get bored of not of not having another mega fight of make some more money. Other than boredom, the one Floyd Mayweather fight basically set him up for life. The truth is MMA, like in his last venture back in MMA, he didn't do terribly, but he also didn't, you know, he wasn't close to winning. The truth is that Getting up there requires a certain amount of dedication, but also a certain amount of um, hunger. Like, as a fighter, you really need to be hungry. At a certain point, either because you've taken a lot of beatings and maybe lost a step, I don't think he's necessarily lost a step. But I don't think the edge in the hunger there is, is that this is the same when you've already made $100 million. You know, like a rematch with Khabib would probably make so much money that I'm sure in the next 12 months the possibility will be out there if that fight is on the table and there's enough money put in front of both guys, I am confident that they can find uh, terms that would drag them both out of retirement and put them back in the octagon. Because realistically, yeah, I agree. those two, that specific matchup in MMA, I think they would have very little trouble selling that. I don't know if there's another combination mega fight for Conor McGregor that would be interesting to people at the moment. That isn't this to say is that they couldn't come up with another one, but it would require it would require some kind of a backstory where the Khabib thing already has a backstory. You've got it. You don't have yeah. to build it up. You just take what already happened and just exactly. put it into the promos. So um, yeah, I think other than the Khabib rematch, or maybe you know a rematch with Floyd Mayweather, or something else that would be talking probably nine figures or high eight figures. Why bother? Like. Take care of your legal problems. Do whatever you want to do. Write a book. Like you've got a hundred other things you could be doing.
1: Sell your whiskey.
0: Yeah, there's business ventures to be done. If he genuinely wants to sit back in, I think it's going to be for eight or eight or nine figures. It's going to have to be for a really big number to make it worth his while.
1: Yeah, that, that's and, and it's totally possible that the numbers out there, depending as you say, on who the fighters are going to be.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is with some of these fighters, though. Like there are fighters who are still on the come up who who still have plenty of reason. He's already won titles, so that's not a problem. He's already kind of a household name. That's not a problem. He's already got notoriety and fame. That's not a problem. And he's still young enough to enjoy it. That's not a problem. So really what it comes down to is do you want more money? Do you feel that you need more money? If the answer is yes, then I'm sure there's a fight out there that you can combine you can still put together. But if he goes if he keeps coming back and starts losing more fights, it will take some of the shine off of it and reduce his paydays as you go along. So I no, think there's sure. more major paydays. The, payday mo- the
1: more the more you're a, a big name and the more you lose, the more people aren't gonna like, you know, are gonna say, one, you're done, and two, they're not gonna want to watch you fight.
0: Yeah. And that's just it. Uh, you know, we can use the other example. You just think of Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey went to the WWE because, number one, she wanted to do that. Uh, number two, she was still a big name. But her last two fights in mixed martial arts were both losses. One, she got her head nearly kicked off by Holly Holm. And then the other one, Amanda Nunez basically you know, beat her brains in. Um, that doesn't mean that you couldn't You could market her for another fight. But one more high-profile loss and a lot of her value goes down. The truth sure. is in WWE, she's worth infinitely more right now.
1: Oh, no, for sure. And it's probably better to her overall health in the long run, too.
0: Yeah, it is. because I, because um, And this is a conversation for another day. But um, let me explain to you kind of my theory about Ronda Rousey, just since we're on the topic for a second. The sure. truth is Ronda Rousey is going to be interesting to me, and I think historically she'll be more of an interesting figure going forward. I liken her to a female Hoist Gracie. And the way I explain it is like this. Hoist Gracie was the first UFC champion. As part of the Gracie clan when in the early UFCs. Now, a lot of people will be like, oh, but Hoyce Gracie, you know, won these tournaments and whatever. It's very true. In the early days of Ronda Rousey, she dominated. But in much the same way that Hoyce Gracie won the early UFCs, a lot of it came down to he was ahead of everybody else in terms of his skill set and he had a plan where other guys were just kind of fighting for the sake of fighting and there wasn't a real strategy yet. Mm-hmm. So that puts you ahead. So when you basically, if you invented a sport right now, you should be the best at it. Because no one else knows how to approach the sport yet. You know all the rules. You know how this works. And you've got the advantage that you that you guys thought this, th- thought this out ahead of time. Everybody yeah. else is catching up to you.
1: Which is a fair point.
0: And in the female version of the sport, some people try to like take away from Ronda Rousey's legacy. And it's not fair because, much like Hoist Gracie, when the other guys started catching up, Hoist Gracie started having a harder and harder and harder time. When it came later on in his career and he faced off against a guy named Matt Hughes... Matt Hughes broke his arm in the fight. He was controlling him. He was dominating him. Royce Gracie did not have nearly that much trouble in the earlier days. But what happened? Everybody else caught up. That's exactly. All. And it evolves. And then Matt Hughes got dominated by George St. Pierre. This happens. Everybody, if you wait long enough, you know, Anderson Silva, dominant until he wasn't. The the game keeps evolving and it keeps changing. So oh, And
1: people get old.
0: Yeah, but not even that. The thing is that even if you don't get old, if you can't keep evolving f- as fast as everybody else is catching up, eventually they will pass you. Because you've got the skill set and you've got a window where potentially you're dominant. But then everyone starts studying you, they learn what you do, and then they try to add to it. And if you can't adapt to that, with with Ronda Rousey, her biggest issue was that her stand-up and her striking was never at the same level as her opponents, but her jiu-jitsu was good and her judo was superior and she knew how to grapple and she knew how to get everybody into that armbar. And as soon as she ran into people who could kick her in the head or punch her in the face and not allow her to get to that armbar, all of a sudden she became less effective. Yeah, There's, no, there's nothing wrong with Ronda Rousey in those last couple fights. She just brought a game plan that suddenly aged out. Suddenly they knew how to combat it and they had something that she couldn't match. That's all that happened. But for her... um Along the same lines as uh, as a Conor McGregor, if Conor McGregor comes back in the next couple of months, I don't think that's going to be an issue for him necessarily. I think his game is still, you know, within the current climate. But then if he waits more than a couple of years here, the game will then pass him by and then it'll get more difficult. Even if age isn't the issue, everyone else now got to study what you did and incorporate that into their game and yeah. then maybe bring something else to the table that you weren't prepared for. And that happens. That's how it works.
1: Yeah. I so, also I could totally see him going to the WWE too. I think that would be I think, he, that, would be, I think that.
0: that would be very uh, lucrative for him. He already knows how to market the personality part of it. That's well, why exactly. Ronda Rousey coming that's was perfect for, for him. Her. Ronda, Ronda Rousey with WWE was perfect for her because she's the perfect foil to some of the characters they already had. The WrestleMania that's coming up, she's going to be in the main event because she has the notoriety, and they were able to use her as a foil for their existing characters. And now you've got a mainstream, you know, main event that people are interested in. So as a value to WWE, she's infinitely more valuable to WWE right now than she would be to UFC. It's just another good fighter. Yes, and for that's, sure. And that's just the way that goes. And it makes sense. Conor McGregor could follow the same footsteps if he wants to make some money and avoid it
1: getting kicked in the face. Well, there you go. Not, a bad, avoid, not a bad
0: way to go about it. There's right? something to be said
1: about being avoiding being kicked in the face.
0: Well, you know, you know some, people, some people seem to enjoy it, but, you know, if you're going to do it, then at least get paid well for it. But if you can get paid well and not get kicked in the face... Even better. That that seems like a good way to go about it. Uh, the Conor McGregor retirement, bottom line, I, I'll buy it until the moment that someone buys him. If, someone, if someone's willing to throw, you know, back up the Brinks truck, I'm sure he can be coaxed out of it. The window in which that will be worthwhile for him is maybe the next 18 months. If the Brinks truck comes in the next 18 months to 24 months, sure. Beyond 24 months, I think he'll stay retired. Is that fair?
1: I think that's great. Yeah, totally. I think I, that's the I real window. That's a very... Nice way of summing things up. Yeah,
0: I think, that's, I think that's the window. So we'll all keep an eye and see what happens and see, see what happens if someone brings the money. Very good. Very good. All right. Let's talk about uh, opening day, Major League Baseball. Did you have anything that struck out to you?
1: Uh, struck out to me. I like it. That's a nice pun there. Yeah, well, it works. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a couple of things that, 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 you know, one of the things, it's interesting because I always love opening day of any sport because there's so much overreaction. And so much unnecessary commentary where they're like, "Oh, we're the greatest ever," and then you know they go on like a ten game losing streak. See Chicago, except for the fact that they didn't win. Anyway, uh, two things I would think: one, the Dodgers' home run barrage stuck out to me. So they hit eight home runs. Totally by, sustainable. I think it was. I think it was six different players. I think that's right. That sounds about right. And so that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, and it's funny because you know some of the talk in the off season had been about the Dodgers signing situational hitters and it's like the guys the home run guys are like all right situational hitter hold my beer let's go hit some dingers and that's what happened in that game and and uh granky you know granky's got like a 17 era from that game which is which is quite surprising I, i mean it did not go anywhere close to what i thought it would go to so there's that and my other thing is obviously closer to home is will the jays ever have offense that's the overreaction to that one because they were terrible yesterday. They got a good pitching performance from Stroman and some good bullpen work too, right? The game went into extra innings, but oh, the like they're playing. Uh, was it is it Ryan Zimmerman or Jordan Zimmerman? Right, that was Jordan the starting Zimmerman. pitcher. Yeah. Jordan Zimmerman, that was the starting pitcher for Detroit, and they made him look like Cy Young, right? He had a, a, a perfect game into the seventh inning. Like, guys, someone said so, it feels like someone's forgot to tell Blue Jays, hey, you are uh, you're playing the Detroit Tigers maybe you should do a little better. I mean, they're not the Chicago White Sox, but they're still not good. Well,
0: few people are. It's uh, it's tough to be the Chicago White Sox, the vaunted Chicago White Sox. But, um, no, that's fair. I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, opening day is fun. I, I did rant about, you know, the Jays opening day uh, last week. But the truth is, opening day is fun because it's the beginning of a new season. You know, you a lot of teams are going to have optimism early on, but – I always take it with a grain of salt. I, for me, it's just, I, I want to watch the games. I want to have fun with the games and enjoy the games. That's really what it comes down to. I try not to, to your point, a lot of people will overreact to, but it's like, the, the season is so long with 162 games that even the next 10 games don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. That doesn't mean they have no value. They certainly do. Wins. Of course right they do. Now, wins right now count just as much as they do in September. So you're better off starting early and winning games rather than losing them. Yeah, win. but nobody's going to win it now,
1: and nobody's going to lose it now. Correct. Except maybe the Chicago White Sox. Exactly. So we're just, th- just going to keep throwing shade on them pretty much every episode now. We'll
0: sh- we'll shame them until they actually do something about it. When they when they start doing something about it, then you know they can they can have a comeback.
1: And and the other thing is is so many. It's just funny for opening day that so many of the people who signed big contracts went over.
0: Well, you know that's law of averages, right? Um, Of
1: course. It's just, I mean, and I don't expect them to have, they may have a a worse year than last year, but I don't expect any of the guys like Trout or Harper or Machado, I don't expect any of those guys to have a horrible year or to tail off considerably. But it's just kind of funny that it's like, oh, what's the best anybody did? Uh, They scored a run and they walked.
0: That's fair. I think it's going to be fun to watch now that now that we know what those contracts are, now that we have expectations set accordingly. That's the more I think that's to your point. It's really the expectations. It's not about it's not about the big contracts. They're going to have a a spotlight on them because you're the big money guys, because next season, I believe. Yeah, I believe it's next season where Mookie Betts is, is a big free agent that's going to be coming up and some other ones. I think teams and everybody is going to be looking at this year's big free agents and re-signings and, you know, extensions. And they're going to be saying, like, for all this money, what did you get? Because, you know, we're going to see. Because if, you know, if a bunch of these players fizzle out early, obviously it's year one of very long extensions for a lot of these guys. But if year one just doesn't go anywhere, then you're going to be like, why are we throwing out this much money for these guys? You know you know, it's, it's a really long commitment. Like these are long contracts and it's guaranteed money. So it's going to keep going. And it's kind of what we talked about when these signings happen. Forget about 162 game season for some of these guys it's 12 years and 13 years. It's going to be a long time. Yeah. A lot of games and a lot of years, but we'll see. Well, that's kind of how it'll play out as far as opening day though. Anything else stuck out to you that you want to mention?
1: No, nope. that's all that I had, unless there's anything you particularly wanted to talk about.
0: No, for the most part, I think opening day, I'll leave it at that. I, I, I'll talk more about kind of the way things are going with baseball, because now I'm back in the mode of starting to watch games. I did watch a couple of games on opening day, but I watched little bits and pieces. Max Scherzer pitched very well in the in the opener. He, they ended up losing because they just couldn't get any offense, you know, speaking of getting no offense. But Scherzer seemed to be in, in mid-season mode. Like he was uh, he was mowing guys down. Really, had yeah, 12 strikeouts. Yeah, wasn't really giving up base runner, was striking guys out. He looked good. So if they're able to produce any kind of run support for him, I think he's got another Cy Young run in him.
1: He's still within, <laughs> I think, his prime. So I think yeah. it should be exciting for those guys. Oh, Actually, there is one more thing I wanted to mention, yeah. which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, I don't know if you saw that the uh, the White Sox, here we go again, and the Royals game. So it was played in Kansas City, but it, was, it started with People in Chicago are going
0: to think that we're intentionally picking on them. You know that.
1: I know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it started with about a two-hour rain delay. Did you hear that? I did not. So yeah. And anyway, the, the Royals ended up winning the game 5-3. Okay. But the, the Royals announced as a team, they said anyone who bought a ticket to the game- whether they attended the game or not, because of the weather, so give them a free ticket to another game at any point during the season.
0: This is in the Royals' home opener. Yeah, well, I think uh, that
1: was just a nice gesture.
0: I think so. Also, in fairness, it's it's a good PR, given that in Kansas City after that World Series championship, the team got dismantled pretty quickly. So I think it's wise to uh, to keep do little gestures that you can do for the fan base to keep the people coming. Uh, we'll see if they're able to rebuild a solid team, but it's it's going to take some work because they did have a good a good core and a good nucleus that kind of got dissolved fairly quickly after. But yeah. as we as we mentioned before, it's better to have one something and then have it dissolve than to have nothing to show for it. Before we go over to the main topic here, you know, news and notes is a little bit light this week because right now it's a lot of like opening day major league baseball. We we could talk about each individual game. I don't think that would interest. A lot of you, unless there's like a big storyline or something that happened. But we'll, we'll see as the season goes on. We'll find little things here and there to have some fun with. But before we go to the main news and talk of, and I'll rant and we can rant a little bit about the Alliance of American Football. See, I wanted to rant about one of the specific games and I'm still going to do it. But obviously we have something that supersedes that. But before we get there, I do want to make one note. One of my old uh, one of my old roommates, Adam, actually brought up this little factoid yesterday. So I'll shout him out and give him a little uh, give him credit for this one Today. Dave, is the 20th anniversary of Wayne Gretzky's last NHL goal. Oh, wow. Nice. But not only that, there is a significance to it. That was his 1,072nd goal, if you include NHL, WHA, and playoffs for both. The reason why that's significant, that is one more goal than Gordie Howe had in those same configuration. Huh. So 20 years ago, today that we're recording, on March the 29th, there you go. There's a little fact to it for you. I like that. Yep happened to be the anniversary. Just so happened we we're recording on the anniversary, so thought it was worth bringing up. Well done. Well done. All right. <clears throat> Main topic. I'm going to put this under the subheading Tom Dundon is a moron. That's fair. Like so I'll let me explain and then and then we'll get into this. So the short version of it is that Tom Dundon was did an interview with USA today. So let's quickly recap here. The Alliance of American Football has pretty much since it's come out made very clear that its desired goal, its track that it's going for is not to compete with the NFL. That's not actually the goal that the founders went out to do. They they went out from Bill Polian and, you know, um, uh, Dick Ebersole and his son, Charlie Ebersole. I, I slipped the name for a second, but Charlie Abersall and Bill Polian right on down all the way to the all the way to the foundation. They made very clear that their long term goal was to create a viable developmental league for the National Football League. That's their aspiration. Because they thought in their mind, you know what? We're not going to compete with the NFL dollars. But if we can create a viable developmental league, then in the end, we can be partners with the NFL. We can work with them so that we provide a product that people can watch. You make it affordable so that people are interested in seeing it. You got it on TV. You got it in spring. You've got got a, a captive audience that is still interested. People can watch it and enjoy it. It can be like the stars of tomorrow today. Basically that kind of a promotional slant on it.
1: In a time where there is no football. Yeah. And there's a little gap there between –
0: because right now, obviously, we've started Major League Baseball. We're an opening day. But the Alliance right now has only a couple of weeks left in the season before we get into the playoffs. And then we get into the championship game. And then baseball takes over. And then there's no more football until the summer when the Canadian Football League happens. And in the U.S., some people care about that and some people don't. But the point is you can kind of shrink the gap a little bit. And if you're a football fanatic and you have to see all things football, then you've only got maybe about two months off, May and June effectively which means yeah, which is great
1: which is which is literally great for you if you love football
0: exactly so that gives you an alternative and an option so that's kind of a win-win for everybody it's pretty solid it's a good model to to go after so the aspiration has always been there that's from the core when tom dundon took over because a different investor kind of you know backed out the part of the premise was to provide financial stability a 250 million dollar commitment which we talked about already in the podcast in the past The commitment being that this will give stability to the league so that they don't have to worry about, you know, meeting all their obligations, making sure everybody's paid, making sure everything's good, and that the league is stable going forward through the rest of the season into next season and beyond. That was the whole idea, which is fine. Up until that point, we're good. And like everybody else, we've sung the praises of Tom Dundon to a certain degree because I think in the long run it could be a very good investment. But this is where Tom Dundon doesn't know when to shut up. Up until this point, it's all good. He's the chairman yeah. of the Alliance. It's like you're just,
1: you're just setting up the perfect scenario for a startup league.
0: Yeah, you're in a good you're in good shape.
1: Things have been going good. The games have been improving.
0: The quality of play has been improving. Like all these things are trending in the right direction. And going into the playoffs where you're going to be on network television for these playoff games, TNT and CBS, and the championship on CBS, and you've got support from Jerry Jones. You know, they're going to have the game in Fresco, Texas in his facility. These are all things that are trending in the right direction that you want to see. This is good. And then Tom Dundon opens his mouth. And in effect, what he ends up saying is, uh, let me open this up here, and I want to quote this correctly in the, same, uh, in the same vein, allow me if I may.
1: The people need to hear the idiocy in all its forms, Carlos.
0: All right, here we go. So I am quoting, I'm not going to uh, put words in his mouth. If the players union is not going to give us young players, we can't be a developmental league, said Dundon. We are looking at our options, one of which is discontinuing the league. So lest we be accused of misquoting the man, that's about as clear as it gets. Now, I want to make abundantly clear my opinion. I don't think he's going to discontinue the league because that would be stupid. And we'll, we'll get into why in a second. But regardless, the statement is stupid. The, the words coming out of your mouth are stupid. We, we just talked about why it would make perfect sense for them to want to have uh, you know a connection with the Players Association and get those developmental players because that's that provides you a source for players going forward. You can have all these players who are already working with the NFL. So you can actually get higher quality players. Obviously, you can still sign free agents and all that. So you, there's no lack of opportunity to sign players now. But having these players available who are already technically associated to NFL teams gives you an even bigger player pool to play with. And it gives you a bigger sure. advantage going
1: forward. But, but here's my point with this. Can I, can I make a Go point ahead. with this statement? Is that you – like first of all, I honestly don't feel you need this to be a developmental league. But that was my point. You, you can right? still
0: sign players from anywhere. You know, you know, If they've got talent, you can sign them
1: does it is it could it potentially be beneficial to the NH and sorry NFL teams down the road absolutely, but it it just strikes me as i don't I don't even know why are you going there because one, at the very least, you're potentially damaging the negotiations that are, pro- are presumably ongoing at this point in time mm-hmm. at the very least, right? at the worst, maybe this doesn't happen at all now because you've opened your big mouth
0: yeah so one of the arguments that some people threw out there, which I understand. Is oh well, this is a negotiating ploy. But here's the thing: you can do this negotiating ploy without going to the public, because in my argument with my my argument against this, I, I'm not suggesting it's not a negotiating ploy. If it could very well be a negotiating ploy. I think I think maybe Tom Dundon's mind this is a negotiating
1: ploy. I hope I hope it is. Yeah. Only because this is just so dumb on so many levels.
0: Exactly. But the reason why I don't think it's a good negotiating ploy, we're talking strategy here. What In what way does that pressure the NFL the NFL Players Association in any way? What you basically said is, we don't have a deal with you. You haven't said explicitly you're going to do a deal with us. But if you don't do it, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And the NFL Players Association is just like, so what? We're not dealing with you right now. We're willing to listen. There is potential benefit for us. We're willing to hear you out. But from the NFL Players Association standpoint, right now there is absolutely no hurry. There's genuinely no rush. And here's the thing if, you know, from Tom Dundas' perspective, if part of his urgency is that he doesn't want the XFL to come out and then they have to kind of compete with the XFL for the same concept, again, this is not the NFL Players Association's problem. From their perspective, they would probably rather sit back and let this play out for a little bit. Let, let's see what this XFL has to offer. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see what you have to offer. And then let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. So, so there, there's which, absolutely which is gained. would be a smart business ploy from the NHLPA perspective, NFLPA. Perspective.
0: I was gonna say it is Canada, but we we're not we're not a, we're not going there. Right, yet I'm today. just
1: getting that quota of just mentioning hockey, and that keeps us good with the CRTC.
0: Very good. You've avoided deportation for one more day.
1: But the but the reality is, yeah.
0: From a strategy, if we're talking strictly strategy, if this is a ploy, like guys, you if you're gonna negotiate and you're gonna say, oh, I'm gonna do this. this, this is this gonna be my ploy? You have to have. You actually have to have leverage. Uh, an ultimatum is no good if you don't have leverage. This is like saying if, you know, this is like saying to the bank, if you don't um yeah, this is like saying to the bank, if you don't let me restructure my mortgage payments, I'm going to set my house on fire. Well, number 1, you don't own the house. Number 2, if you do that, you're still going to owe the bank money. And number 3, if they can't collect it from you, they'll collect it from the insurance. So the bank is like, okay, set your house on fire. We don't actually want the house, we want the money. Yeah. So, so bottom, you know, it's, it's a bit of a stretch of an analogy, but conceptually the point is you're, you're arguing with no leverage. Maybe a better analogy would be like, you're an employee who's mediocre and your threat is if you don't give me more money, I'll quit. And your employer is going like, okay, sure.
1: Yeah. Like we can find mediocre people elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Like right now you're not offering, you're not giving me a reason why I should do what you ask. And your ultimatum is no, is worthless to me. Why do I care if you do this thing? In the long run, like I said, the players' association might find value in it from their standpoint. So let's talk about why the players' association might hesitate. In addition to strategy, because it would be valuable for them to sit around and wait, they they, they lose nothing by observing. Maybe they want to see how the rest of the season plays out. Maybe they want to see if there's interest in the playoffs. Maybe they want to see if there you know if the league looks like it's going to be viable going forward. That's one. There's a
1: bunch of a bunch of legitimate reasons why they would want to wait.
0: Yeah. And also one of the big ones that is a legitimate concern for them is, okay. let's say we agree to this. Let's say we lend you players and one of the players has a catastrophic injury. They're not on an NFL roster technically. So how do we work around that? How do we do we do insurance? Like there's considerations. There's different things they got to think about. It's not just, oh, yeah, sure, we'll do that. No, they got it. They got to think about it. And I don't blame the Players Association for going like, let let us think about this for a little bit. We, we'll keep talking, but let's let us think about these logistics because it's not just, oh, yeah, we'll snap our fingers. Yeah, it's done. No, that's not the way that works. Lawyers need to talk about it. They got to work on terms. and There's a whole bunch of stuff. So Tom Dundon is not pushing the envelope in any way. So basically, if it's a strategy, it's a terrible strategy because it doesn't work. Yeah. There's no scenario where it actually forces the NFL players to make any decisions. Yeah. Nobody
1: goes, oh, actually, this is a great idea. Yeah. Th- there's no reason for them to not, do that. not from this ploy.
0: No, and it's that's why I mean, like, if it's a strategy, it's a bad strategy. And the other way of it is if you take him at face value and he discontinues the league, it's like, okay, well, you dump. Right now, reportedly, he's already put in 70 million so far. So basically, your plan, if I understand you correctly, your plan is to spend 70 million on something and then cancel it just when it just when the brand is potentially about to cross over.
1: Genius. Which is, yeah, like. I don't. What is Tom Dundon – What's his? Do you know what his business is? I don't, but I can. Uh, I can kind of look that up. Like, let, let me hold on. Let me see if I can look that up here. Yeah. But yeah. but the point the point is, financial services and entertainment. Why? Well, okay.
0: That's fairly vague,
1: but sure. Managing <laughs> managing partner of Dundon Capital Partners. Even more helpful. I like it. But clear well, I mean, clearly, you don't become at least theoretically for most people, and it sounds like this since it's called Dundon. Like, you don't become rich by being an idiot unless you inherit your money.
0: Let's talk about this because I think I think we're on the same page as far as the level of idiocy here.
1: Are we in agreement? I think I think uh, yes, we are 100% in agreement. Okay, on that.
0: so let's take it to another angle here. Part of the problem that people have, and this is just a general thing with sports and business in general. Sometimes people think that because person X is good at business in this category, it translates to sports business. Sports business has this weird combination where the principles seem similar and they should be. You know, you, you offer a product, you charge a price, or you've got these other revenue streams associated to the product. You've got a brand, you, you can do merchandise. There's a lot of things you can do to generate revenue from this product. And then you've got expenses related to the product. So in terms of the, the pieces, it works like any other business. But for some reason, sometimes these business people come into this business and suddenly think that the rules are different. The rules are not different. When you're running a startup, if it was a startup software company, Your goal, if you're trying to uh, get customers and you're trying to build this up, your goal cannot be, well, if, you know, if this software manufacturer, let me, let me give you an example that might work here. Let's say you want to get your piece of software to be bundled with windows. This is a simple example that we can put together. You want to bundle with windows. You still have a piece of software. You can sell it no matter what, and you can have it installed in windows. There's nothing preventing you from doing that. But you'd like it to be bundled with Windows because that'll make it easier because then you're technically going to sell more units guaranteed. Correct. That's why this analogy kind of works here. So you want to do that, but you're a startup software company. So right now you're building your brand. You don't have a big customer base, but you do have some customers. So you can still sell the product to people. It's still there no matter what. If you get a bundle with Windows, it's even better because now you have this big user base to draw from. That's better. That's what you want here. But, if you're, but this is basically you going to Bill Gates. Bill Gates doesn't run Windows, Microsoft anymore. But the point is, this is like you going to Bill Gates and saying, if you don't bundle this with Windows, I'm closing my business. And then he just stares at you like you're an idiot. Because he goes, while there might be an appealing argument for you to sell this idea to me, I'll hear you out. I don't need to do that. And if you close your business, how does that change what I'm doing? Windows is still going to exist whether you're here or not. Like That's exactly what this is.
1: Exactly.
0: You're selling me a product that would be nice to have but I don't need it. So you threatening me, you try to threaten me in public isn't going to make me any more inclined. If anything, it it probably would do the opposite. So that's, that's kind of uh, the reality of it. Like it's not, it's not a good strategy. And the other end of it is if you do that, well, then you alienated what the uh, audience you did. And by the way, as far as the software startup analogy goes, you also don't want to alienate your existing base. You've got people that are actually already invested in your product, that are interested in the future of your product, and you've just cast doubt on it for absolutely no reason. So even if this is a ploy, you've cast doubt on your own product, that's about the worst way you could do this. There will be a business school somewhere that will study this as what not to do 101. We'll see what happens going forward. My expectation would be that he, somebody slaps some sense into this man and he shuts up for a little while and just backs off because there's absolutely nothing to be gained by continuing down this line of questioning and no more statements. No more words. Go hide in a boardroom somewhere. That's what I would do. That would be the advice I would give. Go hide in a boardroom somewhere until this blows over. Let Charlie Ebersole go out there and calm the people and then be quiet and just celebrate the championship game and play that up. You got to get some good PR now, now that you've kind of messed this up for no reason. And you brought people to make more questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So you, you can't blame anybody if you get negative headlines out of this going forward now because you're the one who cast the doubt in the first place.
1: No, and I'm sure the league, the people at the league office, like the Ebersauls and Bill Poley and his stuff, are just doing one big facepalm.
0: Well, you just made their lives hard. It, it, you were actually go, things have been rolling along the last couple of weeks. Things have been going well. Go, even the Johnny Menzel thing is like, well, you know, it's a risk, but if it works, great. Yeah, it but it, work it's great. good
1: publicity for the league. Like, I feel that, you know, they're getting decent crowds. I don't know how the television numbers are doing. You know, the league feels like it is doing okay. Like, from where they want to be for the first year of a startup league, that they are succeeding, right? They've got the financial backing that they need to guarantee the league right the game the product in the field is pretty good it's doing its you know stated outcomes you're selling merchandise you're selling tickets you're potentially making some partnerships with the NHL like we talked about last week with them big the game moving to the Dallas area cowboys on fresco facility.
0: fresco texas
1: right yep like these are all good things and are good publicity and there's no downside and then this happens
0: yeah and that's, and that's kind of the big point is that you've created this scenario where now you're, you're discussing things off the field when you want to be discussing things on the field. Exactly. And the more Any, you can put,
1: Anytime that's happening, you're having this kind of discussion about an off-field issue, it's problematic for the league.
0: Exactly. So the in the long run, now they're going to have to do damage control. They're going to have to spend a lot of effort and time that they wouldn't have had to spend otherwise if you hadn't said anything. You know, that's, what's, that's going to dominate the headlines for the next little while because unless something crazy happens on the field, now you've just created this. And to your point about the television numbers, everything I've seen has shown the television numbers are actually pretty decent. The, the thing that would help television numbers, in addition to good games, of which there have been some, what's going to help also is the knowledge that they're going to be here next year. The more you emphasize the stability, hey, by the way, tune into the games because we're going to be here next year. You emphasize that and people realize, oh, actually, no, they are going to be here next year that helps the product totally that gets people to be like okay well i guess it's not a flash in the pan they're still going to be here i'll tune in so if they're there on the fence you're not helping them by saying stuff like that yeah
1: well anyway. let's talk about something more positive let's talk about or well, you want to rant still so why don't you rant some? oh more i will talk oh i you. will tell I'm us not about go- this game that you want to rant about
0: i'm not going to go into every single one of the games i will quickly review what last week's games were like just so we're clear so last week's games you know orlando destroyed atlanta they actually clinched the playoffs so so now they're locked in, and they're one of the playoff seats. And San Antonio, you know, squeaked out a win against Salt Lake. So good for them.
1: That was a pretty good game, game. actually, that It one.
0: was a good game. Uh, Arizona beat up on San Diego, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But, you know, good job by them. And Memphis squeaked out a victory against Birmingham. So I want to focus on this one because this was the Sunday nighter. I-, I wanted to have the exact timeline because I really wanted to get it right. With over four minutes left. I believe it was four minutes and fifteen seconds left, and I think they were still up by a touchdown, or it might have been two possessions. And somehow they managed to utilize clock management that would make Andy Reid proud.
1: Oh gosh.
0: Like all they needed to do, I'm watching this game, and at this stage, if you get a chance to check out the replay, go check out the fourth quarter. Because for this game, it's very interesting. It's it's a it's a it's a masterclass in snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. As hard as they're trying. So Birmingham is up comfortably late in the game, and for some bizarre reason, with four minutes and fifteen seconds left, you run the ball is what a normal person does. I know Trent Richardson doesn't get a lot of yards per carry. Fine, but run the ball anyway. You but it still to,
1: takes up. To, it still eats up the time you want. It you're to you're taking
0: up. thirty to thirty-five seconds off the clock each time. So worst case scenario, you run it three times. You knock off about ninety seconds off the clock. You leave maybe I think it's about two forty, give or take, under three minutes. So you go from 4.15 to under three minutes. Instead, you could do that or or you could pass it three times and have three interse- and have three incompletions so that you eat up maybe 20 seconds of clock and then hand the ball back to Memphis so they can score one of two times that they need to in order to tie the game and yeah. send it to overtime and then fail to score in overtime so that Memphis can beat you. Yeah, That's a way to go about it. Now, why is this important? Well, there's a couple of things. At the end of the day, this may not end up mattering, but I just want to make this clear. With the victory, Birmingham would have eliminated Memphis, officially eliminated them, mathematically, because that would have been the sixth loss for Memphis. Okay? All right. All on the same page so far? Going into that game, Birmingham was 4-2, and two, and that would have been Memphis's sixth loss. So they would have gone to 5-2, and two, and then Memphis would have had have six losses, and they're done. And then going into this week's games, they're playing Atlanta, who is a 2-5, and five, and they can eliminate them as well. So you could eliminate both of your other conference rivals in consecutive weeks. Instead, you've left a scenario open where Memphis at two and five, they were one and five, at two and five, Memphis could technically win out. And if Birmingham loses out, Memphis could steal their playoff spot.
1: Yeah, that would be, I don't think that's going to happen, but.
0: But you left it, you left it in play. You gave them life. You could have all, but you could have eliminated Memphis officially and put Atlanta dead to rights. Like they're basically right at the, you'd be five wins, Atlanta's at five losses and you're playing them this week. Yeah, thing. So it's like, you're right there. Orlando doesn't care. Orlando's already at six wins. None of these other guys can catch them right now, basically, except maybe Birmingham if they win out. But that's it. Like, nobody else can catch them. And Orlando's already punched its ticket. That's why it was doubly stupid. The clock management, the poor decision making. It was just a masterclass. They don't do that.
1: Yeah.
0: It was, and it was ridiculous, given that you actually were sort of playing a playoff game. You could have eliminated one of your opposition right in that game just by winning. And you had the chance at the end of regulation with two possession lead, and you had a chance in overtime. By the way, that was the first overtime game in Alliance history. I'm not a fan of the overtime format. Did you uh, did you see what the rules were for overtime?
1: Tell me. Remind me. Each I, team gets I, one I mean, possession. Like, you
0: can end in a tie.
1: Yeah, so it's just a, it's just the ending in a tie thing you don't like.
0: I don't. I don't mind each team getting one possession. I'm fine with that. I don't know if you can't go for a field goal, but either neither team tried because in the end Birmingham had the ball first. And when they didn't get it on first, second, or third down, they went for it on fourth down, didn't even try kicking the field goal. Yeah. So their defense just was garbage down the stretch as well. They they basically went into pre with about five minutes left in addition to throw. They basically went full Atlanta Falcons.
1: Oh, there you go. And
0: that's the You most- know
1: what happens when you do that.
0: You don't kill the clock, you don't run the ball, and you throw incompletions. Like, why don't we just try to give the other team the game, which is basically what they did. What was funny to me, though, in watching a lot of the recaps, was that a bunch of them, when they showed the picture showing the end result of the game, a bunch Mm -hmm. of them kept putting Johnny Manziel on it. Johnny Manziel, who completed three whole passes. He did lead Memphis in rushing, though, which is not good. But kind of funny. It is kind of funny. He led them with rushing two attempts uh, for 20 yards. Yeah, so can you, can you kind of see why that Birmingham game kind of frustrated me? No, for sure. At the end of the day, I, I have no stake for Birmingham. It doesn't matter to me whether Birmingham or Memphis wins. I just don't like seeing bad football.
1: Like, it Yeah, no, like I hear that. you, man.
0: It was bad clock management. It was poor strategy. It was, like, and, and especially when you have a chance to eliminate your opponent. That was actually mm-hmm. a chance to eliminate your opponent. Now, with all that said, Birmingham technically can redeem themselves this week. They beat Atlanta. They eliminate them. They go to five wins. And they basically put Memphis right on the verge of defeat. I will quickly go over the games that are going to be this week, just so we're all on the same page. So the reason why Birmingham should really – they should try to win every game, realistically. But the reason why this is important is they can eliminate Atlanta, like I said. But Memphis is also going to be playing Orlando this week. So Orlando can do Birmingham a solid and just finish off Memphis. But Birmingham has got to take care of its own business and take care of Atlanta. So they can basically solidify their playoff spot – in week eight and position themselves to be one of the two seeds with Orlando going into the playoffs. So just bear that in mind. Other games here. You've got San Diego taking on Salt Lake. That'll be the late game on Saturday. And you've got Arizona taking on San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. They have the 30,000, you know, strong in the Alabama Dome. I love it. They're taking on the Arizona Hotshots, So that could be potentially an interesting game. It'll be good for the Sunday nighter. And depending on what happens with that, right now, San Antonio is just about clinched its playoff spot. Salt Lake is at five losses. San Antonio is at five wins. So it's the same kind of thing. Salt Lake is right now the only one who's really in a position to be eliminated. San Diego is getting kind of dangerous there, though, three and four. They really needed to win that game against Arizona. Arizona could pretty much not quite seal their fate, but another victory here could position them. But that's going to be tough because they are playing San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. So it'll be interesting. That's why I think the Sunday night game is interesting because it can push San Antonio basically into the playoffs and leave Arizona to fight with San Diego for that other spot. I think Salt Lake is just about done, but it just needs to be official. Cool? So that's what weekend looks like.
1: There we are with our... Alliance of American football for this week. Yeah. So we apologize for throwing that in at
0: the end, but Tom Dundon basically messed it up. And we, could, we couldn't we could possibly talk about the week seven and week eight games without – it would have been overridden by the whole thing. We needed to talk about yeah. the Dundon thing first. It was Exactly.
1: Let's talk about what we're looking forward to coming up. All right. Go for I don't it. Have, I don't have much this week. Uh, I'm just going to leave it on the table and say strictly I am looking forward to the NCAA tournament. So by the time we uh, record – Next time, the Elite Eight will have started. So those games start tomorrow. And the Sweet 16 finishes off tonight. Uh, Duke's still alive, and that's who I picked to win. So that's exciting, basically. And the other game I'm really looking forward to right now is uh, Michigan State and LSU. I think that should be a really good game. So that's I'm going to leave it at that. I'm, I'm not even going to mention pretentious cross-country running at, for this week. So I'm leaving it at that. That is what I'm looking forward to. The Duke game. The Michigan State and LSU, which is a two versus a three. Michigan State being a two. LSU is the three. And then the the start of the Elite Eight.
0: Nice. Is this the first week we haven't had any pretentious cross-country running report?
1: Uh, we In a while.
0: Yeah. I think, I think we, we were on a bit of a run there for a bit. All right. Uh, that's cool. fair. So I'm going to try to do a little multi-screen life this weekend. I think that's just going to happen because we got the playoff games here. We're starting to wind down the regular season heading into the playoffs. I want to try... If I can, I'm going to try to check out and see uh, on Saturday. We've got we've got a whole mul- multitude of games, of course. But specifically, I'm going to try to get see if I can get eyes on the Washington-Tampa Bay matchup on Saturday. That should be pretty good. Ovechkin has 49 goals, going for 50 and putting him in a really elite company if he can get there. Obviously, that's a thing. And I'm trying to catch as many uh, Dallas Star games down the stretch. They've just about clinched the playoff spot. They're playing Vancouver in the late game, so that is actually on CBC, which is wonderful for me. I can watch that in the late game, depending on where we get to. I think um, most of the playoff matchups will be pretty close to set by next week. So I think I'm trying to remember what the last game of the regular season, is, but we got to be getting pretty close to it now. So I think we should be have our official playoff matchup, so we can actually start looking at you know what we think is going to happen
1: and give you some predictions. Yes,
0: yes, yes. So, very good. I appreciate that. So, as always, uh, what I'll say to anybody who's listening and watching, we've we've noticed a little bit of an uptick in people listening, and we appreciate that, of course. So, you can definitely check us out on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Otherwise, we also have our YouTube channel, which you can find with Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. You can look it up like that. I did talk about the Tom Dundon thing in a video on the channel. So, if something like that happens midweek, that's the spot. Because I'll usually fire up, even if I'm not in front of the camera, I'll at least fire up a screenshot so I can show you the article or whatever it is. I'll I'll cite I'll reference it as always. But that's where usually we'll talk about it if there's something that happens midweek that can't wait until the podcast at the on the weekend. Otherwise, uh, you have us at unnecessary podcast, which is Instagram. You have us on Twitter at, at unnecessary underscore pod. Our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. So, we're available on those places. Definitely give us any feedback. We welcome it. And otherwise, we will see you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.